We got something called Bankless 2.0 that's Ooh. just dropping at Ooh. 12 p.m. today, Eastern, on March the 10th, 2023. A whole new website, a whole new experience for whole members. A whole new Bankless. A whole new era. My God, it's a whole new everything. Whole new media company. What else, David? The bull market this starts today. <laughs> <laughs> Bankless Nation, it is the second Friday of March. David, what time is it? Brian, it's the Bankless Friday weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto, which is always an ambitious endeavor, especially in this economy. Yet we persevere nonetheless because we've got coffee with us. We've coffee. We've got news. We've got crypto. What more could you ask for this morning? We've got some topics of the week too. The Silvergate liquidation event. We're going to cover that. This is crypto's TradFi bank. Did the politicians cause a bank run here? We're going to get into that story. What else we got, David? Uh, Elizabeth Warren versus Binance also on the table. Uh, Liz, Liz Warren on a rampage. It's, it's not Gary Gensler this week. It's Elizabeth Warren. Uh, and then after that, the SEC taking an L. So as, as Elizabeth Warren comes into the main character, Gary Gensler, taking a back seat, maybe two L's. Is it too good to be true? We'll talk about all of that and more. And perhaps... The biggest news of the week, Ryan, which I know you're excited about. Uh, oh, what? Excited. Tell me, tell me about it. Tell me what's the, Look, what's the biggest news of the week. This we week? got something called Bankless 2.0 that's Woo! just dropping at Woo! 12 p.m. today Eastern. All right, so listen to this on a Friday morning, maybe later. If it's later, this thing has dropped already. 12 p.m. Eastern on March the 10th, 2023. A whole new website, a whole new experience for new members. Bankless. A whole new bankless, a whole new era. My God, it's a whole new everything. Whole new media company. What else, David? The bull market There's... starts today. <laughs> <laughs> we're calling it. <laughs> the drop uh, of anyway. Bankless 2.0. Guys, we're super excited about this because we've been working on this for, for a while. Uh, this is a new experience for our free members. And then for those of you who are bankless citizens, mm. it's upgrade. So go check it out, bankless.com. We'll talk about it a little bit more in the episode. David, before we get in here, got to talk about our friends at RhinoFi. Tell us about the Rhino, David. Rhino, it is the one-stop DeFi app to do all of your layer two things. So if you don't want to do any more bridging, if you don't want to do any more network switching, if you don't want to deal with native gas tokens, but you still like doing DeFi things like trading, swapping, investing, pooling, and generally earning yield wherever yield is available in DeFi, Rhino is available for you. It gathers all of the best multi-chain opportunities and puts it all into one specific beautiful interface uh, unless you do your DeFi stuff in a bankless way on layer twos without all the layer two complexity. There is a link in the show notes to get started. You can go to app.rhino.fi to check it out. That's the key in a bankless way. So don't have to depend on the BlockFi's or the Celsius's. Yeah. This is all bankless technology. This is all, all DeFi. Chains. Ch and all the chaininess. All the chaininess without this. all of the uh, the surface area for you know having to deal with what chain you're on. All the chaininess, zero of the Mashinsky-ness. <laughs> We got to work on this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, markets. What are the markets this week? Bitcoin. Bitcoin down. It's a it's a sad week, and we're going to talk ah, about why shortly. Okay. Uh, started the week at twenty three thousand five hundred dollars, down eight point seven percent. Oof. Uh, down to twenty one thousand five hundred. Did the Fed do this? Is this why the, the Fed did this one? Yeah. The Fed did yeah. this. We okay, were we, a... like, uh, I'm not some sort of market guru, but my sentiments were like bully, bully, bully. And then the Fed came and was like, no, no bully. No you bully can't have you. that. You not this no, week. Not yet. Not yet. I don't, 
you're telling me Powell doesn't care that ETH Denver was going on and he was just striking us down anyway? He's not coming off the high of ETH Denver and he's just like pushing down crypto prices? Can yeah. you do that to us? He, we were just having way too much fun out there. He's like, that <laughs> is an illegal amount of fun. So I'm going to raise <laughs> rates. That's what happened. How about ETH price? What got ETH price, here? also sad. Uh, started the week Ooh. at 1650, down 7.3% to where we are now at 1525. Well, you know what? We had what did we have? Three, four good weeks in a row. It was a pretty good. We had a good. We had a good attempt. It was. It was fun while we la- while it lasted. Now we're back down to Goblin Town. Down we go. This isn't Goblin. This isn't Goblin. I'm town saying to we're me. going 1500. there. <laughs> well, like, what is Goblin Town to you right now? This phase of the market. Uh, I mean, if we get down to twelve hundred, maybe below thirteen hundred, I will say we are have arrived. Bitcoin. At, uh, uh, no, Ether price. $1,200. Oh, okay. $1,200, not $12,000. Okay. Correct. Oh, God. If, if we're at $12,000 $12, Bitcoin, Bitcoin man, price, we are we're in the ninth, in ninth circle. Town. We did something wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So uh, this is maybe this is the run up to like $1,700 that Ether had and like whatever Bitcoin got to, $25,000. Um, maybe that was the mid the year high. Maybe. Look, man, maybe I, we're I going still to Goblin Town. It's the same know. people. It's still the same people that are in. So, like, if you were holding three weeks ago, you're holding last week, you're holding the week before, you're still holding now. I feel like this is the same crowd. It's not like yes, yes. there's no not yeah, right. A minor run up, and we're like, oh, crypto's back. That right. has not happened yet, yeah. anyway. So we're just crabbing with the same people in the market, uh, and I'm not surprised. I think this is just part of the build market yeah. that we're in. This uh, is a here. Here's my take: is that. Um, I'm always, I'm the permable. We're, we're both permables here. Uh, I think that there's like regulatory FUD that keeps on hammering oh, yeah. at us Every and week. crypto is scared of that. And it's always been scared of regulatory FUD. Like regulatory FUD comes in, crypto dumps and it dumps for like a day or a week, but it never is sustained. It's always a short term blip. My bull case is that that is also true of this, uh, rising interest rate fears is like, yeah. Crypto's like, oh no, interest rate's still not over yet. And then we'll like, we're right, re- we're ready to move on from all of this shenanigans. And so it's gonna, we're gonna keep on taking these blows, but they're not systemic blows, they are short-term blows. And so so long as the blows keep on coming, the prices are gonna be suppressed. As soon as they stop coming, Ryan, I think it's bullish. So like Rocket there's ship. yeah, Chris Berniski put out this tweet not too long ago. It's like it's a, a Bitcoin's a beach ball that's trying to like rise to the surface. <laughs> as soon as the Fed and as soon as Elizabeth Warren goes away, that ball is poking right up. But right now they're doing a pretty good job of pushing it down. But it's oh, like beach ball underwater. Underwater, is the excuse me. Here. Yes, okay. the beach ball is underwater. Yeah, and so crypto wants to rise. It just keeps getting pummeled. But the the point is the equilibrium is that crypto wants to rise. It needs external forces to keep it suppressed. That's my take right now. Good take. Good take. I, I support that take, David. And, I, pu- uh, I made that one up just now. How about the uh, Bitcoin ETH price? What do you think? Uh, we are up 1.5% on the week. Above 0.07 for the first time in a while. We are at 0.071. I want to thank Kraken for providing these incredible <laughs> charts. This is, is all by way of Kraken Pro. And let me remind you. Kraken was a crypto exchange and a crypto platform that did not fail you Mm -hmm. in 2022. These are one of the good guys, one of the OGs that been with us from the beginning, doing things the right way uh, and uh, putting out some great charts. Yeah, if you want some some like history, like go back, go back a year from uh, now on the weekly roll up. Like go to a 2021 weekly roll up and see just Ryan floundering on the charts. Sorry, right? And now look at him, man. Skills. Now look at now, me go. Look, now look at how good these charts. I got look. candles. 
I got, yeah, got uh, ratios. Look at I got that nice tabs little green candle at the end. Man, that's just great. Yeah, I got the sole Bitcoin uh, ratio if, oh, I, how's if I want that. How's that just, doing? Oh, it's down. still not great. Still it's still not, not great. great. No, I don't. But I like to keep it there just for fun because I can. Uh, crypto market cap. Are we above a trillion? Uh, yeah, but not by much. We are at 1.02 trillion. Just starting to get holding it there. Yeah, below a trillion is starting to feel bearish. It's starting to feel not Goblin Town. Goblin Town for me is like eh, six hundred million. Yeah, I don't think we got no. down to six hundred million. Eight hundred million is Goblin Town. What did we do? Let's let's look at it. I think we got down to seven high the high seven hundred million. What do I have to do, Max? See, this is not a see, nice. Um, this is not cracking Coin charts, charts are not cracking charts. Let me see. Their charts are not charts. <laughs> I can't see it here. Yeah, you're. Fine. Oh, actually, whatever. I've given up on this chart. Kraken, can you guys do a total crypto market cap chart? <laughs> Please, Kraken. Please. Um, let's get into some market news. Okay, so we alluded to this, but here's mm. a Reuters headline. The Fed Powell's preview... <laughs> the Fed's Powell previews tougher rate hike path starting soon. Um, here's a quote from Fed Chair Powell, who controls all things. Marcus, of course, mm -hmm. we know. He is, mm -hmm. he is um, the god. The go do dollar is god, universe. and Powell is the word of, of High the dollar. High priest. Powell's yes. the post, yeah. uh, the, the Pope. Um, nothing about the data suggests to me that we've tightened too much. Hmm. Indeed, it suggests that we still have work to do. He's getting, mm. uh, getting hawkish on mm. the rate hikes there. It's hard to make the case that we've, that we've over-tightened means we need to continue to tighten. That's what he said. There was a, I saw this clip, David, and I want to play it for you. I don't know if you've seen this, but this was a Warren versus Powell on this very point. And as we get into this clip... Oh, Basically, boy. Powell is saying, hey, we need to fix inflation. Here's how we have to do it. You, you keep tightening until inflation is fixed. And Warren is saying, but what about a recession? What about uh -huh. the jobs? What, what about, about my the voters? Vote. Right. So uh, let's play this. I'm going to get your right. reaction to this. Okay. You ready? I haven't seen this. Okay. Putting 2 million people out of work is just part of the cost, and they just have to bear it. Will, they, will, will working people be better off if, if we just walk away from our jobs and, and inflation remains well, 5 let 6%? Me, let me ask you about what happens if you do this. Since the end of World War II, there have been 12 times in which the unemployment rate has increased by one percentage point within one year, exactly what you're aiming to do right now. How many of those times did the U.S. economy avoid falling into a recession? You know, it's it's not as black and white as it very, Just very Just look infrequent. at the numbers. It actually yeah, no, is no. pretty black Alan and Alan Blinder's written a book on this. And, there have and, been 12 times that yeah. we've seen a one-point increase in the, in the unemployment rate in a year. That's exactly what your Fed report has put out as the projection and the plan based on how you're going to keep raising these interest rates. How many times did the economy fail to fall into a recession after doing that out of 12 times. I think the number is zero. I think the number is zero. That's exactly right. So there you go. I she's mean, like I trying to more. do a checkmate on 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 Powell. Gotcha. We're going to lose jobs. You're going to send us into a recession. And Powell's response is inflation is worse. Right. Inflation is also not good for American citizens nor workers, no, nor those 2 million people. It erodes, and, and, and Warren is saying, but you're going to cause a recession this way. What's interesting- And then, and then he says, yeah, you're right. And she's like, gotcha. And yeah. he's like, you idiot, read a book. Well, and like, I, I, I feel for him because he's like 
trying to explain himself, but she won't let him. And when I, I see this clip, I just see like, this is the politician playing the politician yes. game. Yes. And it's so cringe, man. It's so cringe. Let's remember that politicians are definitely influencers and yes. they are happy to throw anyone under the bus, including right. central bankers. Right. Uh, if it, if it scores them influencer right. clout points, right? This in, is, in the, this is the, the state trying to politicize the money. This is but the, this the is. fact that obviously this is working because we just played the clip like it was just that's the exchange. But I yeah. do think that there is a pressure from Congress coming to Powell saying you can't cause a recession. But Powell's going like, right. well, what are you guys going to do about inflation? Right. Yeah. What's interesting to me, David, is <laughs> Congress doesn't they don't have answers to what <laughs> right. we're going to do about inflation. In fact, I would argue that a lot of the consumer CPI inflation is actually not Powell's fault. You guys know we are not Powell simps at Bankless, yeah. right? There's a lot of things that central bankers do that are not awesome for like all sorts of things, right? They definitely right. have their, their hands on the money printer. But you know who else does? Fiscal policy, right. Congress, our yeah. executive branch. They can also print money. And they did a lot of that fiscal spending during, during COVID. They only print money. That is I up think, into the right chart. I think you can say central bankers are largely responsible for massive wealth inequality, massive asset price inflation, uh -huh. since like the bailouts of, of 2008. It's been a since flawed existing. policy from the beginning. But I don't think you can point to them and say, hey, you are the sole reason right. for the last two to three years right. of CPI inflation. You can't. You have to take responsibility for fiscal policy and the fact that countries are overspending relative to the tax earnings. And you, so you have to either increase taxes or you have to not spend as much. And there is no accountability on Congress to actually do so I feel like they're kind of throwing Powell under the bus and I can't believe I'm defending Powell right now but right, like, I, I said the same thing it's like wow I'm on Powell's side on this <laughs> Elizabeth versus Powell debate my gosh uh anyway like what what does this mean for crypto look battles back and forth um it means that fiscal policy and the money printer will continue to like go burr like I, I think yeah. no matter what, I think some right. of that's going to come from Congress. Some of that's going to come from central bankers. Right. The and political influence of aggregate congressional members is significantly more than what the Fed can probably withstand. Probably. Right. And no one wants to pay. Like, we don't want to swallow the, the difficult medicine. We right. don't want to get off the morphine right. drip. Um, we don't want so. to reduce our quality of life. Because that's ultimately what this means. It's like, do we want to pay back our debts? Do we want to increase interest rates? Well, we all need to stop, start consuming less. We all need to start being more efficient. We all need to stop having this extravagant American lifestyle that we're used to over the last 50 years. And no one wants to hear that. Well, Especially not the boomers. Let's talk about that. Uh, Sorry, boomers. Debt. Um, what about the debt here? Read this tweet out. Uh, the U.S. now has a record $16.5 in household debt, a record $11.9 in mortgages, a record $1.6 in auto loans, a record $986 billion in credit card debt. This is what I was talking about. This is the extravagant lifestyle. We're beyond our means as a country. We have been for my entire life. All of probably all of these listeners' entire lives. Total mortgage debt is now double the 2006 peak right before the 2008 crash. Meanwhile, 30% of Americans have more credit card debt than savings with balances rising at the fastest pace since 1999. This is what all while mortgages rates just hit 7.1% and credit card debt hit a record 25%. We are fighting inflation with debt. This cannot end well. Wow, that was a long tweet. 
Yeah. Okay. By by the way, how, how have tweet like how long can tweets be now? That was a really Elon long rules. tweet. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> like you can keep going. It's not only. Wh- oh yeah, you can. They're almost limitless, dude. Limitless tweets. I don't know yeah. if I like that, but it's uh, we'll just, see how it you goes. know we're we're inflating. Inflation is the name of the game these days, including tweet length. <laughs> Got to inflate tweets. Inflating, uh, inflating tweets. our tweets. <laughs> the, the Twitter money printer keeps uh, going for <laughs> stablecoin check in. Let's talk about crypto markets for a second, though. Um, USDT is on the rise. It's the highest level in 15 months. That is, of course, Tether. David, why is Tether going up? It this has got to be up. as a result of outflows from BUSD, right? Uh, so BUSD going down, USD going up, right? That's got to be the conclusion here. I think that's what's happening, yeah. yeah. Um, Tether's uh-huh. gain came mostly at the expense of BUSD. Huh. After the PAX announcement, we talked about that last week, announcing they were halting new minting of BUSD, and it's grown $5.3 billion to a total of $71 billion in Tether, which mm. um, is Tether fully backed? We think so, kind of, mostly. I don't know. Um, that's not that's not Tether's product, brother. Tether's product is being an offshore offshore stablecoin. That's right, and that's what BUSD was maybe f- uh, filling mm-hmm. part part of, and, and Tether is just going to take that. So the U.S. system has no ability to go find hunt down Tether. Um, can they do that? I mean, this is outside of the the bounds right. of U.S. jurisdiction, right? Mm-hmm. But the U.S. does have jurisdiction over some other things. We're going to talk about that when we come back. David, what are we covering next? Silvergate liquidate. That's the only two words I'll say about that. Uh, Elizabeth Warren returns versus Binance. And the SEC taking an L, perhaps two, is the tide turning against uh, the SEC. And we'll probably talk about some ETH Ember chatter as well, among other things. Also, of course... Beyond all of that, the biggest news of the week, Bankless 2.0, you know that's coming. Uh, So we're going to get to all that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible, especially Kraken, our strategic sponsor for 2023, who supplies this market section of the Bankless Weekly Rollup with the most beautiful charts that you've ever seen. Here we go. Kraken has been a leader in the crypto industry for the last 12 years. Dedicated to accelerating the global adoption of crypto, Kraken puts an emphasis on security, transparency, and client support, which is why over 9 million clients have come to love Kraken's products. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, the Kraken UX is simple, intuitive, and frictionless, making the Kraken app a great place for all to get involved and learn about crypto. For those with experience, the redesigned Kraken Pro app and web experience is completely customizable to your trading needs, integrating key trading features into one seamless interface. Kraken has a 24-7, 365 client support team that is globally recognized. Kraken support is available wherever, whenever you need them, by phone, chat, or email. And for all of you NFTers out there, the brand new Kraken NFT beta platform gives you the best NFT trading experience possible. Rarity rankings, no gas fees, and the ability to buy an NFT straight with cash. Does your crypto exchange prioritize its customers the way that Kraken does? And if not, sign up with Kraken at kraken.com. Learning about crypto is hard. Until now. Introducing MetaMask Learn, an open educational platform about crypto, Web3, self-custody, wallet management, and all the other topics needed to onboard people into this crazy world of crypto. MetaMask Learn is an interactive platform with each lesson offering a simulation for the task at hand, giving you actual practical experience for navigating Web3. The purpose of MetaMask Learn is to teach people the basics of self-custody and wallet security in a safe environment. And while MetaMask Learn always takes the time 
time to define Web3 specific vocabulary, it is still a jargon-free experience for the crypto curious user. Friendly, not scary. MetaMask Learn is available in 10 languages with more to be added soon, and it's meant to cater to a global Web3 audience. So are you tired of having to explain crypto concepts to your friends? Go to learn.metamask.io and add MetaMask Learn to your guides to get onboarded into the world of Web3. Crypto bank Silvergate announces a voluntary liquidation. David, why would you voluntarily liquidate? What's happening here? Uh, you would voluntarily liquidate when things look so bad that you don't see any viable paths forward. Uh, and so crypto-friendly Silvergate Bank, of course, uh, has said that it's going to unwind its assets and wind down operations uh, of Silvergate Capital Corporation. A uh, quote from Silvergate, in light of recent industry and regulatory developments, Silvergate believes that an orderly wind down of bank operations and a voluntary, uh, voluntary liquidation of the bank is the best path forward. The bank's wind down and liquidation plan includes full repayment of all deposits. So uh, that's good news. All deposits will be fully repaid according to the liquidation plan. The company did not say how uh, it plans to resolve claims against its businesses. Um, Silvergate, uh, as a crypto bank, is one of the two main banks for serving crypto companies, along with New York-based Signature Bank is the other main one. Um, just as a size comparison, Silvergate had over $11 billion in assets compared with uh, $114 billion at Signature Bank. Oh, banks. I didn't know that. So yeah, Signature is much bigger. Yeah. 10x much bigger, bigger huh? yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, the FDIC was in urgent talks with Silvergate to find ways to save the crypto-friendly bank from shutdown. Uh, FDIC examiners arrived at the firm's headquarters last week and have been since reviewing the firm's books and records. Uh, the department is evaluating compliance with all financial laws, as well as safety and soundness obligations, and is working closely with relevant federal counterparts. So I think there's probably a big question out there is like, was it Silvergate's fault or was it external forces that have caused this? Um, I don't, uh, we'll have to find out. I don't know if there's any reason to suspect Silvergate of anything, but I guess we're going to find out either way. What Do you have a take on this, Ryan? Well, a lot of uh, people in crypto are saying that this is basically a run on the bank. Sure. Perpetrated by people in power. Those regulators and politicians going on the megaphone and saying like the Operation Choke Point sorts of sorts of measures. People like Elizabeth Warren, for example, broadcasting this and saying, withdraw withdraw funds from these crypto banks, these crypto companies. And I, th I would say the broader point is like, remember guys, we live in a fractional reserve banking system. Right. That means any bank, whether it's Wells Fargo, right. Bank of them, any commercial bank that, that you use- Operates uh, on faith. Operates on faith. And so if there was a run on the bank, and you decided to withdraw, all of us decided to withdraw all of our money mm -hmm. uh, at once, that's, it. we can't it all break. get it. It doesn't right. exist, guys. It doesn't exist. It's a By figment. By design, that's how the system works. Yes, it's a figment of our imagination. It's all kind of on the ledger and it all works as long as everyone trusts it. And the FDIC has a you know 250K guarantee and all of these things. So there is some element, David, where um, yes, they probably were sloppy in areas is, is kind of my, my take right now based on the evidence I've seen. Yes, Silvergate could have done additional AML KYC in places. Um, they could have had some you know tighter uh, risk policies. But I don't think it, this is not an FTX type situation, right? right? I don't think that there was anything incredibly nefarious going on. At least the evidence hasn't uh, borne that out yet. But what I do know is there has absolutely been a run on this bank and perpetuated in in some t uh, in some cases by regulatory congressional influencers 
who are pushing Silvergate towards the edge. And to that extent, I mean, I would say that is extremely irresponsible. Right. Just to, just to start this from, from the beginning of like a run on the bank is a fear and emotion based phenomenon from all bank, from all customers, clients, depositors of that bank. And so if there is this run on the bank that's happening and the reason why Silvergate is shutting down is because there's just so much net outflow out of the bank because everyone is fearful that Silvergate is going under and that fear perpetuates, right? Like turns into a mind virus. We have to ask ourselves, why did that fear happen in the first place? Yeah. What, what's, what is the, the patient zero or the, the trigger of that fear? Do you have an answer for me, Ryan? I mean, I, uh, I think obviously the mar entire market is incredibly jittery coming yes. off of um, yeah. FTX. Um, I'm not sure who exactly the patient zero is or, or what. Um, I do know that uh, the White House is making some comments on the back of this. This is the press secretary at the White House. In recent weeks, banking regulators have released guidelines on how banks should protect themselves from risks associated with crypto. As you know, this is a president that has repeatedly called on Congress to take action to protect everyday Americans from the risk posed by digital assets, and he will continue to do so. The risk by digital assets. So that's what's being thrown under the bus here is, uh, is crypto, is digital assets. This is Senate Banking Committee, friend of banks, I might say, Sherard Brown, saying, as the impact of FTX's collapse continues to ripple outward, today we are seeing what can happen when a bank is over-reliant on a risky, volatile sector like cryptocurrencies. So whatever is happening, David, whether this is a, a bank run and, and kind of Silvergate is, is somewhat a victim in the situation, or whether uh, Silvergate did some things that were irresponsible and um, they're not a victim, they are responsible. Uh, we do know that that politicians are definitely ready and eager to throw crypto under the bus and throw crypto banking under the bus. And to me, this is just like the continuation of the Operation Choke Point we've been talking about for the last, right. like since the beginning of this year. Right, yeah, this is such a nefarious line. Uh, as the impact of FTX's collapse continue to ripple outwards, today we are seeing what can happen when a bank is over-reliant on risky, volatile sector like cryptocurrencies. Um, FTX was not cryptocurrencies. FTX was a bank that was pushed offshore and, and with all of those quality products that drove people into FTX not enabled to be held, held onshore by onshore banks. This was not a cryptocurrencies problem. As we know, as we've reporting on Bankless for quarters now, every single DeFi app in the crypto world held up completely solvently. FTX, which is a bank, which was ignored by the SEC, and all of the onshore regulated entities were hamstrung by onshore regulation. And so the FT, FTX incident explodes, comes back to hit. This is a banking crisis. This is, it happens that there are crypto rails. It is a banking crisis that but is the, the center of this the whole public thing. Opinion, the public's not going to understand the details. Maybe people in the crypto community will, but like they're going to paint this as a problem with crypto. I mean, right. Sherrod Brown continues. I've been concerned that when banks get involved in crypto, it spreads risk across the financial system and it will be taxpayers and consumers who pay the price. When banks get involved in crypto, what do you think that means? They're going to continue to choke the banking sector from touching this whole asset class of crypto. That's very disturbing to me. David, we have a, a Elizabeth Warren tweet here. What does this say? 
Oh boy, my favorite. Uh, Elizabeth Warren says, as the bank of choice for crypto, Silvergate's bank's failure is disappointing but predictable. I warned of Silvergate's risky, if not illegal, activity and identified severe due diligence failures. Now customers must be made whole and regulators should step up against crypto risk. So in my mind, Ryan, I'm just saying regulators putting undue burdens upon the crypto banking sector. And then the, as a result of those burdens and perhaps, you know, also other things, FTX and interest rates, but also as a result of what Elizabeth Warren is doing here in this tweet, putting undue burdens upon the crypto banking sector, then the big crypto banking sector fails. And then she's like, I told you so, even though she's part of the problem that caused it to not be a well-serviced industry in the first place. Remember Tyler Cowen's caution? Uh, he wrote an editorial about this, came on our podcast, and he was like, hey, I'm most worried that regulators and those in Congress will backlash far too far. And yes, there was problems with FTX, but you're really going to try to choke United States citizens, U.S. citizens from this entire asset class. I worry about that. That's what's going on. I think Nick Carter had a fantastic take here on Silvergate. He said this about Silvergate, about the situation we were just talking about. The politicians are now telling us that because a single bank peaking at $16 billion in assets, that's Silvergate, wound down in an orderly manner, making depositors whole, no one lost money here, David. No depositor mm. lost money. Affecting no one but shareholders, causing no knock-on effects, that crypto firms must be shut out of the banking system. Right. Those holding equity, the shareholders of Silvergate, lost in this. That's right. how it should be. That's how this works. It's a risk asset. Ec holding equity is a risk asset that the, the company right. is going to go bankrupt. Right. Of course. So in that sort of situation, equity holders get liquidated. No one that deposited funds in Silvergate has lost anything. Hmm. So like a bank wound down in a correct and orderly fashion, and Elizabeth Warren is like grave dancing. On. Yeah. Is that, is that what's going on? I think so. I mean, Nick Carter, Nick goes on and says, they cry out safety and soundness while, while chipping away at the foundation and then act vindicated when the structure starts to crumble. I think that's what's going on here. Um, yeah. Here's another he also, take. Yeah, so this is a, a take from a Mike from BlockWorks. Liz Warren has a $67 million net worth, even though her salary is $285,000 per year. Either she saved 100% of her earnings for 235 years, or she's making money another way. I love this. <laughs> Why do you love this? Well, this just calls into question the legitimacy of what she's doing, right? She's an influencer who is talking against other people's bags, our bags, our crypto bags, and then she's, uh, what Mike is implying here, is making money in ways that we don't understand. And so as an influencer of this state, uh, he is calling into question the legitimacy of where she has made her money. And I, I think that's it. a good thing to call into question. Yeah, I get it. I um, think if, if, and if people think that that's below the belt, I think that what Lizzie Warren is doing is below uh, the belt too. I don't necessarily think it's below the belt. I do worry a little bit about the kind of the just because someone's wealthy doesn't mean they made it in like nefarious ways and we don't know the source of of her wealth but um yeah i 67 yeah. million dollars brother it's a lot it's a lot of wealth um let's talk about this binance under scrutiny as well that is happening this week this is a, a letter sent yesterday by wow senator warren i guess this is the senator warren yeah, episode senator warren is the main character this week van holen and marshall to binance and binance us it's absolutely devastating this this tweet says they are flat out accusing binance of fraud and money laundering this is not good for cz have you read this letter what's the tldr here david 
Yeah, basically, well, it's, it's a pretty damning accusation of CZ and Binance's operations, basically saying that Binance has uh, knowingly enabled money laundering, reduced KYC compliance checks, allows allowed for higher and higher limits of non-KYC accounts in order to trade on Binance, in order to just like make revenue, right? Like that's, that's their business model. Uh, it also says that, uh, accuses them of creating Binance US as like the compliant... Uh, distraction uh, so that Binance itself could grow larger offshore and do all of its perhaps illicit ways of you know generating revenue. I mean, that's Meanwhile, part, that part's true, right? We all saw that's, that. Uh, that's probably true, yeah. Um, now, the thing is, like, I wouldn't necessarily rush to the defense of Binance here. Um, I think uh, also we know that uh, CZ and Justin Sun are buddies, and we know that Justin Sun... Uh, use his uh, ownership over Poloniex. Remember that one article? Justin Sun was like, just pass any KYC check. Always pass. Never fail. Always pass. Doesn't matter. Remember that? Yeah. That's the story that came out, right? And so like, they're, they're very close with each other. This is kind of, I, I don't really think anyone's really going to rush to the defense of Binance here. Uh, so it's tough. You know, it's tough. Well, so is this the big... It, that that's different than fraud. Is that the big charge here that they were bypassing AML KYC? Yeah, basically they were negligently enabling like money laundering and illicit use of Binance. Gotcha. Whether or not they were the ones actually doing it is a different story. I don't know if that's what this is charging them, but yeah. This is the Wall Street Journal breaking some things about Binance too. What does this say? Uh, this says, text from crypto giant Binance reveals plan to elude U.S. authorities. So this was uh, uh, messages revealed from CZ and Binance uh, leadership saying, hey, we're totally going to do our best to circumnavigate, evade U.S. regulations. We're going to spin up Binance U.S. in order to like prop that up and have that be like the fall, the, you know, the subject of their scrutiny. And their, that thing is going to be totally compliant. But meanwhile, we're going to do all the shady stuff in the back. Um, and this, apparently that has been explicitly made in text form and leaked to uh, the Wall Street Journal. So what's the take here? Then uh, are, are we back to like, OK, uh, is this all true? Are the are the regulators right are they right in stamping out this entire industry from the united states because it's only full of scammers is that what binance is doing here what do you say to this i say this is all just so tiring man <laughs> what part of it <laughs> i got i got i got nothing it's like damn it it's like it, we need to have regulation but our regulators are being shitty at it like it's there's it's a double-edged sword Bad people on both sides. <laughs> yes, this is like no one's got it right, dude. I just I don't it's like I don't we don't know enough to to know if what right. CZ's doing. I, I do know he's smarter than SBF. Um, oh, that's yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. Just don't know. And right. how how would we know? It's a centralized exchange. We just don't right. know. It's yeah. it's it's by nature it's trust based. But we do yeah. know that no one is talking here about like okay. Central centralized exchanges are failing us in a variety of ways. Here's how we could shore up the regulation for centralized exchanges, right? Mm -hmm. And by the way, isn't it cool, American citizen, that crypto has also provided a self-sovereign option right. called decentralized <laughs> finance, which you can audit on chain. We never have to question whether it's a fraud. We never have to question whether it's fully backed or has reserves. It's proof of reserves built in. They're not pointing people in that direction. They're saying the whole crypto thing is a fraud, is a scam. Right. They're not engaging with the members of the crypto community who are like, yeah, we hate FDX too and SBF. And by the way, we've been saying that 
for a long period of, of time that like um, we're worried about centralized exchange as a as a, an attack vector. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not engaging with us at that level, so it, it doesn't feel collaborative. So yeah. I I share your frustration. I don't yeah. like, but they've got us in this spot where they can just point to like five to ten scams last year in crypto. Right bad things that happen and say, look, right. I told you, I like Elizabeth Crypto Warren, bad. I was right. I was right. right. I predicted right. this. I told right. you this was going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's a, a difficult situation. Yeah. I'll, I'll put on my uh, libertarian free market anti-state hat uh, and say that Binance has banked more people than any, with his technology and its crypto rails and Binance Smart Chain for that matter, has banked more people using crypto technology than any nation state has ever done ever with a CBDC or any of their legacy traditional financial system. So I'm sure there's nothing, I'm sure there's a lot of skeletons in the closet of Binance. I'm sure there's money laundering happening. I'm sure CZ is aware of it, probably. I don't know any of this stuff, but like I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that pisses off the state, but like my Eric Voorhees raw human perspective is that Binance is unequivocally a net positive for the world in terms of banking the unbanked and allowing financial freedom to proliferate. Um, that's my take. I think there's a way for regulators and Congress to cooperate with the Binances of the yes. world rather than yeah. uh, just attacking them, trying to stamp this thing out of yeah. existence. Uh, David, this is somewhat related. The SEC snubbed as Voyager wins court approval for the sale to Binance. So Voyager, that um, defunct I guess crypto bank, crypto lending and borrowing platform right. is uh, trying to sell to Binance US, and is that going through? Uh, I, well, it looks like it. That Voyager is the one that lent out that unsecured six hundred and sixty million dollar loan to Three Hours Capital, um, which I'm assuming they haven't gotten back. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. safe, safe assumption safe there. Safe to say. Uh, but a, approval was granted by United States bankruptcy judge uh, Michael Willis, Wales, well, Uh, which came four days after arguments presented by Voyager and the United States Securities Exchange Commission were processed by that judge. Judge says, this can proceed. Uh, And so this is actually really good news for anyone who's lost um, money on Voyager. Uh, This article is claiming that if you are a Voyager customer, an impacted Voyager customer, you are going to get back approximately... 73%. 73%. Wow. Approximately 73%, which is a very precise number for saying the word approximately. Um, so that's great news. That's great news. That is great. Yeah. Um, definitely. This judge's decision comes over a week after 97% of the 61,300 Voyager account holders found uh, were voted in favor of the current Binance US restructuring plan, according to a February 28 filing. Hmm. That's pretty cool. That's what shareholders want, it sounds like. Cool. Um, Grayscale versus the SEC. David, right. this next story is, I think, a win. If you were asking yourself in the, in the last uh, two stories we were talking about, like, where are the checks and balances here? Uh, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we stop this type of activity? I think the court system is one possible solution to that. So this is um, judges that are skeptical of the, the SEC's courts, argument yeah. in the Grayscale versus Bitcoin ETF hearing. Can you tell us about that, David? Yeah, so this is a court that has reviewed the facts and circumstances of the Grayscale Bitcoin ETF uh, application. Uh, We want the Grayscale Trust, the GBTC Trust, to fold into elegantly and cleanly a Bitcoin ETF, a spot market Bitcoin ETF. We have have a Bitcoin futures market ETF. Why not a Bitcoin spot market ETF? Why do we want that? 
We want that, Ryan, because right now the GBTC uh, asset trades at a 45% discount to actual GBTC. And so of all the Bitcoins that are in the GBTC trust, locked in there, one way, can't come out, for, they are worth only 55% of their actual real value because uh, no one, there's not enough demand for GBTC, partly because of the whole like grayscale three hours capital like loop. So retail of, is getting screwed basically. Re, yeah. So there is uh, like how much is the grayscale GBTC trust? Let me go look that up real quick. And so as a result of that discount, there is a $4 billion gap. And what that means is that GBTC owners collectively are short $4 billion. There's $4 billion of wealth that could be created if the SEC allowed for a spot market Bitcoin ETF out of Grayscale. They could make $4 billion just appear out of thin air if they did this. And so the judge is like, hey, SEC, why aren't you doing that? Uh, which why aren't you really, like, which is a really good question. Why aren't you protecting <laughs> investors? Right. This is like the the second judge uh, facilitating this. capital markets. Yeah, you know coordination. The, the whole vision on your website. You can thing. make four billion dollars. Why aren't you doing it for retail? The people that you're supposed to protect. Uh, this is the second judge saying this, who's skeptical of the SEC's decision to approve the futures ETF, but not the spot one, not the one that we all want. The SEC hasn't offered any information that the petitioners are wrong. Uh, the judge says SEC has to explain why they're wrong. Yes, they do. Thank you. Some accountability. David, you and I can say it all day. Crypto Twitter can say it all day. A judge is requiring yeah. them to answer that question. And that is a nice check and balance. That's a, a product of uh, our system. And I'm glad that we have it right now. Gary Gensler's like, mm, uh, well, um, well, so you know how, well. Office hours with Gary. <laughs> Office hours. Yeah, turn it into an influencer video, Gary. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's what's going on there. And maybe some hope. For the future there some of this power gets checked by the court system david what do we have coming up next coming up next we have an onslaught of coinbase news all of it good thank god uh so there's like four things that we're going to talk about all related to coinbase uh tornado cash 2.0 pulls a jujitsu move against privacy haters we're going to talk all about that uh we got uniswap wallet we got our eth supply and most importantly ryan the biggest news of the week, which is Bankless 2.0. So all those details and more coming right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make Bankless 2.0 possible. Uniswap is the largest on-chain marketplace for self-custody digital assets. Uniswap is, of course, a decentralized exchange, but you know this because you've been listening to Bankless. But did you know that the Uniswap web app has a shiny new fiat on-ramp? Now you can go directly from fiat in your bank to tokens in DeFi inside of Uniswap. Not only that, but Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism Layer 2s are supported right out of the gate. But that's just DeFi. Uniswap is also an NFT aggregator, letting you find more listings for the best prices across the NFT world. With Uniswap, you can sweep floors on multiple NFTs, and Uniswap's universal router will optimize your gas fees for you. Uniswap is making it as easy as possible to go from bank account to bankless assets across Ethereum, and we couldn't be more thankful for having them as a sponsor so go to app.uniswap.org today to buy sell or swap tokens and nfts how many total airdrops have you gotten this last bull market had a ton of them did you get them all maybe you missed one so here's what you should do go to earnify and plug in your ethereum wallet and earnify will tell you if you have any unclaimed airdrops that you can get and it also does po apps and mintable nfts any kind of money that your wallet can claim earnify will tell you about it 
and you should probably do it now because some airdrops expire. And if you sign up for Earnify, they'll email you anytime one of your wallets has a new airdrop for it to make sure that you never lose an airdrop ever again. You can also upgrade to Earnify Premium to unlock access to airdrops that are beyond the basics and are able to set reminders for more wallets. And for just under $21 a month, it probably pays for itself with just one airdrop. So plug in your wallets at Earnify and see what you get. That's E-A-R-N-I dot F-I. And make sure you never lose another airdrop. And we are back. But first, watch this sick promo video for Bankless 2.0. It's loading. That's great. I love that. That gets on me repeat, going, man. On repeat. Yeah. Here it is. Bankless.com. Bankless 2.0. It's here. It's our new website. Uh, we have fully migrated from Substack at this Peace point. Peace Web 2. We're listening to it. Uh, we are doing this so that we can start being much more of a crypto native media company. And mm -hmm. uh, you know what's cool about this, David, is I'm not sure we entirely know what that means. All right. The, the point is, we can find out. <laughs> We're going to explore our own frontier. Wait, we have wait, our wait. own frontier now. Are we going to front run the opportunity here? We are front running the opportunity. Yeah, Bankless is going from just like, you know, being all Web 2-y uh, to we, I think we have one of the best platforms to experiment and innovate and iterate about Web 3 things natively because now we have our own Settlement. This is our settlement. This is our home. This is this is our home on the internet on yeah. this protocol that we call home. Uh, yeah. Everyone's welcome. Uh, what are we doing here? We're obviously we're posting the podcast. This roll up that you're listening to will appear here. We're posting our uh, articles, everything we write. We have this thing called a daily brief. If you only listen to Bankless and you don't consume it in your inbox every day, you should just start consuming it that way as well. It's a daily brief. It's a guide to crypto for every day. We're posting that here. There is a fantastic ability to search for different guides, David. If you want, can, you can tag your interests. Tag your interests. If you want a guide to investing, all of our how tos. If you want to get into kind of opinion pieces, uh, guide to Arbitrum, guide to Optimism, guide to Polygon. It's all here on the website. Uh, the crypto native features. All right. We had the hardest time. In fact, Substack would never integrate this for us, which is our previous platform, just paying via crypto. Right. All right, so people would be like, uh, I'm trying to like sign up for Bankless, but you're making me pay with a credit card. And we're like, oh, well, there's this separate link. We can send it right. to you. It's, it's manual. It's, it's manu commerce. It was, like never, it was never really connected. Right. And so um, now it's all connected. Now it's all seamless. Now it all works. Mm. You can pay via crypto. That's just a simple thing. But you can right. also, we're going to add the ability to log in with Ethereum. Of right? course. So you can access this function. We're adding podcast NFTs to the post. Um, we're going to do some other things that I yeah. can't speak about right Ooh. now, but that are coming soon that we are super excited about and bullish on. And in general, we just want to grow this movement and grow this community in crypto native ways and uh, push forward into the frontier. So that's what we're up to, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. And if you look on that far left, you have, you know, home, listen, read tools for little oh. icons, for little tabs to explore different places. The number of icons there can grow as we grow the number of products and tools and things to do on bankless.com. Um, there's also native POAP minting. So oh, if, this. yeah, this is, we, we have built the best native in, in the browser, in the website, mo, 
POAP minting apparatus that I think exists. And so there is a POAP to mint for those that are already bankless subscribers. We sadly can't open it up to everyone because we can't like spam attack POAP uh, or allow POAP to be spam attacked. But if you are already a bankless subscriber, including free subscribers, uh, you can go mint the inaugural ship POAP because we are ship. We're sailing west. We're going into a new world, <laughs> ship season. Uh, so go mint that POAP. That's a big call to action. Uh, go go do that. Bankless.com, guys. Uh, thank you. Thank you for all the support. Yes. Thank you for everyone thank you for bearing who with got us. us here. Thank you for listening to all the ads that helped finance the building of this uh, website. Look, it's important. We got to build our settlement. So uh, that's how we're mm -hmm. doing it. Anyway, so much more we could talk about. David, speaking of bankless content and cool stuff, um, you've got some ETH Denver video, a mm -hmm. whole series that will make you feel like you went to ETH Denver and hung mm -hmm. out with David and listened into all the conversations that he was having, except for that one conversation last week with the lawyer where you talked about Lido. Not that one. All the other <laughs> ones, though. <laughs> Inside joke, ones, guys. Yeah. Uh, all the good ones to bring back to the nation. All yeah. right. Well, so what is this? Give us the highlights. So this is part one of two parts. Uh, every other time I've done this, and this has been a reoccurring theme of like what I do when I go to conferences, is I interview people and I bring back um, interviews, like 20-minute bite-sized interviews so you can feel like you were there. This is... I did that twice, Ryan, two times Double. at ETH Denver. This is, so this is part one. This is at the Axelar Interoperability Conference, which was like a who's who of interoperability. And builders, I was trying right? to, I, I, builders, yeah, all, all the builders. And I was trying to understand like, all right, because like there's Ethereum layer twos and layer threes here. There's Cosmos people, there's the Axelar team, there's like all, all of the people doing like Omnichain and layer zero and all that kind of stuff. It's like, what is the theme of this conference? Like clearly it's interoperability. I, when I was writing about this for the newsletter, this is also going to turn into a newsletter on the Bankless Newsletter coming out uh, to, uh, today. So you will already have that in your inboxes. The theme, Ryan, is like literally everything that's not the Ethereum layer one or Bitcoin. <laughs> that was the theme of this conference. Anyways, uh, so like layer two content, uh, eigenlayer content, Cosmos content, uh, uh, Axler content. So that's part one. Uh, part two is me and Luke uh, running around with a microphone at uh, Shelling Point and ETH Denver, just randomly uh, uh, ninja interviewing people. We got Kevin Owaki and Simona Pop from Shelling Point. We got Jesse from Base. Uh, we got Victor Bunin from Coinbase Cloud. We got Lisa from Aztec. Uh, so many different interviews of people actually at ETH Denver. That is part two. That is coming soon, TM. Absolute Chad of a production team that is pushing this content out within one week post ETH Denver. They helped me film it. They helped me get the audio. They're processing. Oh, tip of the hat to the, to the Bankless Pod Squad. Tip of the hat. Absolutely. Yeah, and of course, great. you can go find all of that content right now at bankless.com. 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 Say it again. Bankless.com. Bankless.com. Uh, Coinbase is doing some things too. Not just mm -hmm. Bankless that's been building. Coinbase has been building some things. Today, we introduce Wallet as a Service. What is Wallet as a Service? This is a Coinbase offering now that makes it seamlessly seamless to onboard users to Web3. What is this, David? Yeah, so it's an API, a wallet inside of an API. Never really thought that was possible, um, which allows companies to create and deploy fully customizable on-chain wallets. So users can create, access, and restore mainly their wallets with authentication as simple as a username and password without needing to worry about seed phrases. So they have built a way to allow, I'm assuming, the rest of Web2 to easily spin up a wallet on demand, on notice. And like, I think the most obvious use case that I'm going, just going to imagine off the top of my head, Ryan, is like, you know, the digital collectibles in Instagram? Yeah. What percentage of Instagram users have a wallet? Z not zero, because there's some, but 
very, less than one percent. Yeah, less than one percent. Less than zero point one percent, I would say. So say NFT creators who are now able to promote and share their NFTs on Instagram. That is a feature that is all throughout Instagram now. Say one of their fans wants to buy that NFT. Does that and that fan does not have a wallet? Well, Instagram could just ping the Coinbase wallet API and be like, serve this, serve this Give me user a wallet because wallet wallet. they want to buy that NFT. And, it's there. and they could buy that NFT with Trad payment rails, like with Stripe or whatever. And all of a sudden, there's a wallet inside of Instagram that is uh, accessible by the Instagram authentication service that's already built in. I think that's really Guys, what this that's the bull a case bankless this thing is. wallet. It's that's yes, non-custodial. Yes. This is multi-party uh, computation technology to make this non-custodial. Mm -hmm. it, it can be non-custodial, and it can also be custodial. It's customizable for both. It is really the wallet infrastructure that we need to be able to push wallets into every single corner of the internet. This is insanely. This it just just makes crypto adoption so easy. It lowers yeah. the barrier for getting a wallet down to uh, at the absolute minimum. We got Stripe for crypto wallets. Uh, yeah. They also, oh. Coinbase has also acquired One River Digital Management. Now, we just um, released our episode with Eric Peters. He's the CIO of One River. He is kind of the institutional crypto guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the kind of the billionaires with, with a lot of money respect Eric Peters. And Coinbase has now acquired their company as, I guess, a bridge to institutional investors, increasing that. All right. Do you have any other takes on that? I, I, I just, it's just, they're doing everything, man. They're going in every single direction at once. It's pretty cool. Um, including the direction of public relations mm -hmm. and I think repairing crypto's image, their brand image. I know David, mm -hmm. you wanted, uh, you wanted us to take a look at this, uh, this commercial. I think this is, this is this. just good content. So we're going to watch right, this Columbia, watch Columbia's this. commercial. They don't even pay us for this. What is this archaic system? Mother's maiden name? Ebowitz? You're telling me this guy is how things get verified. That's my job. Oh. I'm just saying, you shouldn't have to buy $10 worth of gum if you just want 79 cents worth of gum. Why do you get charged your money to take your money from your account? And if you're out of money, they charge you for being out of money? What? An overseas transfer takes five days? Business days. Why? What are they using? A Zeppelin? I deposited the check Monday. But Monday was a bank holiday. Why is this the way it is? A bank holiday? This system What's a bank holiday? makes no sense. This makes no sense. Who designed this system? Is this really the best we can do? Hello? Don't we deserve better? Nice. It's it's, it's, it's a Coinbase ad, obviously. It is the best PR one minute of PR for the crypto industry as a whole that I've ever seen. It's right? it's it's basically the bankless. It's basically banks suck. Yeah, and we can do better. Finance let's, sucks. Let's use crypto to update it. Yes, that is the message, yes. and it's a much better message. Right. I feel like than the 2022 message that crypto was sending, which was yeah. come here to get really rich. Right, and because we get have, come get yield. <laughs> yeah, and because we have like social boosting NFTs. Right, which yeah sure. But it's this is the message. This is this the, is the better message. message. This is the long-term message. Uh, we also um, are coming out with a podcast with Brian Armstrong. So we just right. talked to him earlier this week. I think it's a good kind of recap on everything that crypto is doing. You know, we spend a lot of time on, on regulatory in this episode, David. And right. uh, I think that's because that's where crypto is right now. That episode comes out Monday. But if you are a citizen of the bankless nation, that means you are a premium <laughs> subscriber. You should have access to that episode 
right about now. Early access. On bankless.com. There you go. On bankless.com. <laughs> That's what we were waiting for. <laughs> uh, David, some cool news with uh, Tornado Cash, which is um, a, an illegal and not... <laughs> Crypto privacy anonymizer. It's on the OFAC no, sanction no, no. list. It's anyway. not illegal. It's just okay. illegal for us as oh, U.S. citizens. For, okay. It's it is. It is it. an agnostic, neutral piece of technology. It's just mm-hmm. illegal for you and me. And well, all, what are they doing? All, uh, so, well, uh, this isn't sp- anything to do with Tornado Cash specifically. This is not the Tornado Cash team. This is a mean Soleimani announcing Privacy Pools V0 which he is calling the sequel to Tornado Cash, uh, also similarly branded as Tornado Cash. Uh, I think the TLDR is it's Tornado Cash and this additional fun little mechanism that lets you prove the specific anonymity set. What does that mean? You can prove that you are not a Tornado Cash user who is of a certain address, as in your uh, you can achieve privacy versus with this brand new tool without being associated with any other specific address that you determine, aka one on the OFAC sanctions so list. So you can you can prove that you are not and are not interacting with an address on the OFAC sanction list. So Correct. let's say, uh, you know, the OFAC FinCEN identifies this right. particular set of addresses. This is North Korea. Right. Um, this is a, a well-known a terrorist group. These people are are bad actors. You can prove your innocence mm-hmm. essentially using this this tool now, and so this should like defang all of the reasons right. that the code itself. And let's remind people: the Tornado Cash code itself, the smart contract on chain. If you live in the U.S., OFAC, FinCEN, the U.S. has made it illegal for you to have on-chain privacy yep. because they're saying you might be one of these bad actors, but now you can prove your innocence. So doesn't this, David, defang the right. whole, like, I guess, um, front right. Right. Uh, of FinCEN saying, yeah, this is because terrorists and criminals and right. It takes North away Korea. the whole entire premise of making the Tornado Cash smart contracts illegal in the first place. There you um, go. Yeah. Your move. Your move. Yeah. I think uh, Amin. I, th- I mean, everyone. People who are listening to Bankless know I have like infinite respect for Amin. He's the guy that will go toe to toe with the with Goliath uh, in a heartbeat without thinking twice about it. He's a shit disturber, man. Yeah, he really. Oh, he's a, a sower of chaos in the best of ways. Like chaotic, the embodiment of chaotic good. Um, I hope he deploys it on base. <laughs> On base? On base chain, yeah. Privacy uh, pools on base that'll chain. That'll be fine. I'm that'll sure uh, Coinbase Compliance and Legal has really appreciated that you uh, just said that, David. I, uh, I, well, permissionless code. You know, they made they made their chain permissionless. They know what totally. they signed up for. Let's see. Let's see how it goes. I mean, we want a, a free, permissionless, open internet. So mm-hmm. let's push that boundary. If, Here's if privacy you want to learn pools. more, yeah, privacypools.com is the place to go. There we go. All right. Also, bankless.com. Also, after, uh, after bankless.com. Yeah. Make that your next visit. Uniswap <laughs> Labs, they introduced a mobile wallet. David, you and I got mm-hmm. a chance to sit down with Cal, who is kind of the lead product design of this wallet. It's pretty cool. I, re- mm-hmm. I really liked it. I'm very um, bullish. It's <laughs> Apple has blocked them from launching in the App Store right now, but it is available on test flight. Unfortunately, we don't have an access code for you. Uh, in order to get that, you had to be listening to the conversation we had earlier this week, and there were about a hundred of them. But here's David; he's showing off. I got he's showing off his forty-eight dollars uh, and eighty-seven cents, and, <laughs> and a crypto coven. That well, that's worth something, and the the access code itself is worth something because uh, it'd be pretty cool to use this wallet. Um, I don't know; I'm pretty bullish on the future of this. I mm-hmm. really like the design; it's nice and clean. I think Uniswap is dedicated towards iterating on it. Uh, a lot of cool things in store and bullish wallets in general, mm-hmm. wallet innovation Certainly. in general. Certainly. Certainly. 
moving on to Rocket Pool uh, is set to launch their eight Ether mini pools. Okay, how does Rocket Pool work? You have the node operator who spins up a node in the decentralized Rocket Pool network. They need to put up a bond to make sure that they don't do anything funky with the other people who come and deposit Ether into their node. So what do you do? You put in 16 Ether, one half of what it takes to spin up a node. Other people backfill that with 16 more Ether and boom, you have a Rocket Pool mini node and 16 R Ether is minted and distributed into the wild. Um, that is a capitally intensive way to produce a staked ETH token. Uh, and while that is the capital intensivity is how we get uh, decentralization and security, it is still capital intensive. Uh, Rocket Pool has created the system called mini pools, which actually lowers the collateral requirement down to eight. So instead of putting up a 16 ETH bond, you put an eight ETH bond. And instead of that being a one-to-one -one ratio of your ether to other people's ether, it is a one to three ratio where you put in eight ether and then 24 ether comes in to create uh, three different Rocket Pool mini nodes. Uh, and so the capital efficiency of RPL doubles. Uh, and then also, if you are a node operator, you increase the amount of fees that you charge the people who use your node to stake as well. So you, if you are a node operator, you're getting more yield and the total supply of our ETH goes up. Uh, this is a very long awaited upgrade from the Rocket Pool community uh, by Rocket Pool. Uh, it's actually not launched yet. It's, it's coming. It's in uh, no later than early April, which is one month away. So that's pretty very, very hype. Very hype. This is Rocket Pool getting more capital efficient, which is yes. bullish. And also, our ETH is now on Euler, mm -hmm. which is a lending and borrowing marketplace, a permissionless lending and borrowing marketplace, similar, I guess, to Aave and Compound. Mm -hmm. uh, it's cool to see liquid staking derivatives saturating mm -hmm. all of our DeFi lending platforms. Yeah, our friends at Coinbase staking and other liquid staking tokens, Ryan, would request that you call them liquid staking tokens, not liquid staking derivatives, because oh, derivatives right. have a very specific legal meaning. Somebody's going to slap me yeah, about that. Yeah, someone's going to slap me. Yeah, no, but right. no worries. Uh, uh, disclaimer. Uh, sorry? They are derivatives, though, for real, though. Sure. We, can't, we just can't Semantics. call them that. Semantics. Yeah. Okay. Um, disclaimer, Bankless holds a bunch of uh, RPL, and we also run Rocket Pool mini nodes. Uh, and then Ryan and I are also angel investors into Euler. And bullish ETH. Certainly. Polymarket tweeting out here, David. Looks like someone knows something about the Arbitrum airdrop. What is this? What is this graph we're looking at? Polymarket is a predictions market that allows people to gamble about the probability of future events. Uh, and the theory behind pr uh, prediction markets is that if one or a very low number of people know something, that they can sway the entire market because they can make a gamble. So if they know that the Arbitrum airdrop is coming by March 31st, they would go to this Polymarket market and they would bet that on the knowledge that they have. And so uh, as of recently, uh, the probability that an Arbitrum airdrop comes by March 31st on Polymarket has moved to greater than 50% chance. Uh, and so the implication here is that someone knows something and has taken a bet on that market. Uh, I took this tweet into the Arbitrum, our Telegram with the Arbitrum team, Ryan. And I was like, hey, you guys, you guys wouldn't you know, <laughs> drop a token without scheduling a live stream with us first, right? Uh, and they were like... Uh, they didn't say anything. <laughs> they didn't say they anything. They said, you never know, but you'll be first to know when we do, yeah. if we uh -huh. do, that kind of yeah. thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. As we'd uh, expect. So here's something that uh, is not news, but is perhaps news. We don't know. Uh, we don't yeah. know. Another, another rumor, David? Another rumor. Perpetuating? <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. More rumors of rumors. 
Cosmos Governance, they gave the green light to Interchain Security. I remember Mm -hmm. um, Zaki telling us a little bit about this when we had them on the episode for the Cosmos Thesis. If you want to hear about that, you can go listen to that episode in the archive at where, David? Where can they go find that? Um, Bankless.com? That's Bankless. it. Bankless.com. That Bankless. is that. Bankless.com. Bankless.com. Go there right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, they're actually doing it. So what does this mean? What is interchain security? Right. So uh, Cosmos it is the app chain mesh network uh, vision. It is basically the Ethereum layer two, layer three vision without the layer one. So if you take out, if you only have networks for, like connected to other networks and you don't have the single shared security model of Ethereum, that's Cosmos. Um, it's a mesh. They, it's a mesh. Uh, Cosmos has given the green light to interchain security. That is Cosmos becoming more like Ethereum. So they are starting to enshrine Cosmos Hub as the central security provider for the rest of all app chains that opt into that security, which is kind of like the Ethereum L2 thesis. Uh, And so Adam is starting to fill the shoes that Ether is for Ethereum. That's a token. It's a Cosmos token. Cosmos token, yes. Yes. Exactly. Uh, and so like when I was talking to Sonny uh, Agarwald about this forever ago, he's like, yeah, the Cosmos and Ethereum long-term conclusion of that design pattern is actually the same pattern. They have just started at different paths. Opti- uh, Arbitrum, excuse me, not Arbitrum, Cosmos, uh, I got an Arbitrum token on my mind. Uh, <laughs> Cosmos has uh, uh, opted in to prioritize the app chain mesh network vision first, shared security later. Ethereum did the shared security layer one first, also, ETH is money first, and now is now moving into layer twos and layer threes. The conclusion is the same. Uh, this is as the Ethereum layer two, layer three, super chain, hyper hyperscaling vision starts to unfold. Cosmos is also doing uh, shared security and atoms as the reserve asset of Cosmos if the market wants it. And I think this means if you're launching an app chain on Cosmos, rather than bootstrap your own validator set, you just get to hire the atom holders as mercenaries. For, they a can, for a for fee. fee right? For a, you hire a, a them. A gas fee, perhaps. They're mercenaries. Use the, use their military instead, but you right. gotta pay them because they're yep. mercenaries. So right. that that's uh, cool to see. And I think is value accrual uh, related to Adam the token. At least Bigly. it should be on the fundamentals in, in perspective. Theory, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's talk about another token that uh, started this whole crypto thing off. It's called Bitcoin. To- token. Bitcoin. Wow. Bitcoin's a token. You just offended every single Bitcoin maxi that listens to bankers. It, it's a token, guys. They're all oh, tokens. It's not. No, no, no. It's a coin. I say Bitcoin's a token. What is the difference between a token and a coin? A token is a asset that is issued on top of another blockchain. A coin is the asset that is the native currency for the crypto economic system. Ether, Bitcoin is a coin. Uh, Uni token, any ERC-20 token is a token. Coins are innately related to blockchains. You can't, you can't have a crypto system. You cannot make a blockchain without creating an economic security model. And so therefore, every single you know, crypto economic system has to have the, you know, the economic part, the security part, which is the coin, the currency, the gas, Ether, Bitcoin. I feel like this is a simple answer. You win this round, David Hoffman. Thank you. You win. You got Thank that. You. That was, that was a good answer. Uh, maybe I was teeing you up for that fantastic answer <laughs> in a, in a we just wanted explainer. We just wanted to teach a quick lesson. Quick lesson. <laughs> All right, so this is Rollkit saying you can now run a sovereign roll-up on Bitcoin. Wait a second. I didn't know Bitcoin 
could have a roll-up? Is that yeah. possible? What is this? Apparently, it's been possible for a very long time. Just no developer just has wanted that to out actually right do now? it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. uh-huh. So sovereign roll-ups on Bitcoin, uh, now a thing. This is a tweet out of a roll kit dev, uh, a modular framework for roll-ups. Uh, and so this is a toolkit to produce sovereign roll-ups on Bitcoin. Okay, uh, why are we emphasizing the sovereign wo- uh, word? Uh, a sovereign roll-up is different from a sidechain, which is a chain that just what is a side chain actually it's just like a normal validator set yeah its own validator set that like checkpoints to a different blockchain kind of doesn't have to i mean it could just checkpoint to itself a sovereign chain a sovereign roll-up is a roll-up that use that puts all of its data on a dominant chain a bigger chain and all of the data that it puts onto that chain can be used to reconstruct the roll-up state so it is much more trustless than a side chain so bitcoin has advanced in the layer two trustless layer two phase well beyond liquid god all the asshats at liquid i hope they're just embarrassed i know they're not though can i I ask though can we call this give me give me the case for why we can call this a roll-up i understand it's a you're saying it's a sovereign roll-up but is it really a roll-up and this is um a tweet where uh that that i'm going to read where i think somebody was asking eric wall that question let me pull it up this is mahalo asking eric wall commenting on his tweet being excited about this uh and mahalo says that is not a roll-up though there are no fraud zk proofs you're not actually doing the fraud ZK proof on the layer one. You're just doing the the data layer, the data storage on the layer one, which does that make it a roll-up, David, or is this something else? I'm going to answer your question with a really annoying response. Uh, a ZK roll-up doesn't have ZK proofs, Ryan. What do you mean? A ZK roll-up does not use ZK knowledge proofs. They, no fraud you, or ZK proofs. I'm going I'm, I'm quoting Mahalo here. So, okay. Sure. Sure. Validity proofs is what uh, a ZK rollup actually uses. Oh, it should somebody be called who a went to ETH rollup. Denver and I did not. And actually, clearly... this one, that, that little bit of knowledge came from Starkware sessions. There you um, go. Well, look, there's advantages to being a conference or. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is going to break my brain to try and explain. This is one of those I have to like go back to basics about like, okay, how does it work again? Oh, yeah, this works like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I ask me hollow, Ryan. <laughs> I think we lose something here, and I'm not sure what oh, we lose. 100%, as yeah. far as settlement assurances, I don't think that this is quite the same as a as a ZK rollup or a um, optimistic rollup on Ethereum because it's not doing the fraud and validity proving on mm-hmm. the layer one. But I'm not sure, like from a user perspective, what we've lost here, what security guarantees, settlement guarantees we've lost. I'm going to let you be the negative Nancy of Bitcoin of this episode. I'm going to say I am just happy that the pendulum in the Bitcoin ecosystem has moved very quickly away. That they're away. even having these conversations. Yes, this exactly. Nice. That this is happening. Yeah, I, the, the fundamentalist maxis are losing their control over the Bitcoin narrative. And the builders and innovators and optimists of the Bitcoin ecosystem are getting pigeonholes to finally grasp onto and take back Bitcoin from the, the crypto Luddites of the world that's it build back bitcoin yes Man, take it back yes maybe that's happening maybe the builders are, are are coming and taking it back yeah no i i i'm not going to be um bearish on that i'm actually very bullish that these types of conversations are happening mm-hmm. i was just wondering like what the difference is so we'll flag that maybe i'll ask mahalo or somebody else <laughs> yeah. who could tell me 
It's, uh, it's not some magical, cool new roll-up that's any better than you can do on a smart contracting layer. That's for sure. Yes, and I think it might. But be... it's 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 something. It's you know something. I mean? it's, it's huge. It's something yeah. good for Bitcoin. Uh-huh. I'm it's good I'm for very Bitcoin. bullish about this. Yes. Uh, Yuga Labs. This is also maybe good for Bitcoin. Yuga Labs yeah. just made sixteen point five million in the first Bitcoin NFT auction. What is this, David? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have created a set of NFTs on the Bitcoin Ordinals protocol. Uh, they did this funny, funky little auction mechanism where they took in Bitcoin deposits from people as and then took in their bids for what those Bitcoin transfers would be. And then they said, OK, and then we, they did the auction in there and then they returned all the extra Bitcoins that people lost. Um, and so sixteen point five million dollars in revenue for Yuga Labs for their two hundred and eighty eight NFTs uh, that they minted. Uh, the top bids were seven Bitcoin and four Bitcoin, which was insane. Uh, and they made $16.5 million in 24 hours. Were people upset at uh, how Extremely this was done? Extremely upset. Really? Yes. Why? What was the Because of the auction mechanism. Basically, uh. they were their own, I don't even know what to call it, uh, custodian. So people would say, they would say, hey, send us your Bitcoin and your bid amount, and then we will run this auction in our like private black box closed environment and then we will determine the winners and spit back out all the money to the auction losers oh completely that is back. terrible that is not yeah. decentralized nor credibly neutral at all that hence the limitations of a blockchain that doesn't have a native smart contracting layer on it yes it's very not bankless whatsoever the auction mechanism itself but the actual the mechanism storage. was bad and broken yeah wow. i mean i don't think they did anything bad or anything but the point is is that like well we what, don't know what, do we this is this is, here's Casey's tweet, which is extremely spicy. Dear Yuga Labs, uh, this Ordinal's uh, Twitter account that he's retweeting is correct. Actions like this prove that for some entities and for people, once a shitcoiner, always a shitcoiner. If wow. I personally, Casey Rotomore, ever see you, Luga Labs, the entity, fuck around with degenerate bullshit like this again, what? I will wash my hands of you forever and encourage others, including those close to me, to do the same. Get effed, you highly regarded morons, Casey Rotomore. <laughs> well, wow, who's this guy? Who's Casey Rotomore? He's, he's, I had him on Bankless with Eric Wall. He's That's, the guy that created, oh, it's that Casey. This is the creator of the Ordinals Protocol, bro. <gasps> yeah. And he is really pissed that they're using it in this way. Well, I don't think he really cares about like them being bad. He thinks that they are setting a precedent for spammers and attackers. Like, see uh, any see. any bad person who sees this model is like, oh, I can just like copy what Yuga Labs did, and people will send me their bitcoins, and I'll tell them I'll just you know give back the losers, but then I'll just run off with it. It does set a bad precedent. Do you know what I um. I wasn't on that episode of Casey, but I listened to it. I really yeah. like this guy. I respect I, yeah. this guy. He's a new <laughs> class of Bitcoin builders. And look yes. at him taking a stand uh-huh. against uh, like faulty auction mechanics. He's got ones. like the spicy, sharp edges that Bitcoiners have. And he's also got this like builder. It's like it's a new character arc of Bitcoiner. You're totally right. I like it. Um, and of course, a whole bunch of Bitcoin fundamentalists hate him for even doing Certainly. this. Certainly. Yeah, but I'd have never aligned with the fundamentalists uh, ever. Uh, okay, so here is the update of block space, Bitcoin block space fees. Uh, uh, because of the ordinals, Bitcoin block space demand was up for four weeks in a row. It then became down for two weeks in a row, and that was last week. In the last 10 days or so, it is up 
very big. I'm pretty sure that spike at the very far end has got to be this uh, Yuga Labs Ordinals demand. Um, but uh, the power shifting back into the favor of Ordinals are here to stay. Uh, so we'll see how this pendulum shifts left and right. Uh, but we had some very big weeks in Bitcoin block space demand in the last week or so. I like it. I'm, I love it. This is I'm, so fun. Yeah, it's been a while since Bitcoin put a big smile on my face, but like yeah, it's doing really some cool, cool stuff. Uh, really cool. I'm enjoying this arc. I, I'm loving the pluralism coming out of Bitcoin. I like this new season of Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah, 2023 yeah. season is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good job, uh, creators of the show. Bankless listeners are like, I never thought this was possible. <laughs> <laughs> they just had to do stuff. Yeah, yeah they had story. to enable builders, man. This is uh, Amazon news that hit crypto this week. Amazon NFTs will be tied to real-world assets. Tokens mm -hmm. are possible. Amazon stepping into the NFT world, it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, we're not exactly sure what this means. Uh, what we're do confused. you make of this? Do we have any details? Um... I don't have too many details. They are working, uh, here's a statement. For instance, people would be able to purchase a fashion-oriented NFT tied to a pair of jeans. So I think this is real-world uh, high-value physical items paired with an NFT. Uh, how they manage to do that, I don't know. Um, uh, it's not clear what's going on here, uh, but it is clear that something's happening. Um, my take here is that someone is advising Amazon on what to do and how to do it. Or maybe, do you I, think there's a small Skunk Works team working inside maybe, of Amazon maybe, that are like bankless maybe. listeners and are, are hearing this? If, and there, if there is, they're definitely bankless listeners. And hit us in sure. Telegram. and Someone like, hit us up. Give us some details hit so that we know up. more about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but not break any NDAs, of course. Of um, course, of course not. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, we're not journalists. We're thesis-driven media company. That's right. We're not journalists at all. Yeah, that's right. Bankless.com. We, we uh, keep secrets. Let's find, let's let's uh, monitor that as we get new yes. news. David. Yeah. Multicoin Capital, their hedge fund lost 91% in Oof. 2022. That was Oof. last year, of course. Um, big loss. Is this a big loss or is this just like the average crypto investor's portfolio? What's your take here? It is a big loss. It's certainly worse than the average crypto person's portfolio. Uh, I've no, I've been known to be a multi-coin disagreeer at the very least <laughs> uh i was initially like uh ready to like grave dance but then at this then i like looked at my portfolio and i was like well okay you're not down you're not down i'm not down 91.4 percent not a, not nearly that bad to but you can like 2022 was a bad year yes multi-coin had very significant exposure to both uh, i'm assuming ftx i think uh, uh, rumors on that one uh, oh, they absolutely lost, confirmed. David, they lost Solana. funds in FTX. Oh, yeah, they had money in FTX. Funds. Yeah. Right. The old yeah. fashioned um, way. They got scammed by SBF. Had a ton of exposure to Solana. Um, and so, like, yes, multi coin capital down 91.4%. That looks pretty damn bad. That sucks. They should have sold more, obviously. Uh, but also, reminder like, 2022 was a very bad year. And they were probably up decently big in 2021. So, oh yeah, yeah. They were so, the. Like, do you remember Ryan? You Selkis's, fly very high. You you fall very fast. Yeah. Ryan Selkis's end of the year report. Multi multi coin were like the big winners right. of 2021. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, I I would just like to talk to some of the uh, multi coin LPs and investors because like it's really the real signal here is like are they happy? And I would like to hear more about that. I've heard my rumors. Uh, I've heard that people are upset. Um, I haven't heard anything more beyond that. Yeah. There, there's also uh, rumors. Should we get, we shouldn't say any more rumors, huh? Rumors. We, we got slapped last week, but you know, when hedge fund uh, founders sell the top as well, it right. tends to leave 
a bad, bad taste, taste in everyone's mouth. Bad taste. And yeah. also calling this don't, thing. Don't a, take a Zoom call in a Ferrari. Don't, <laughs> that, don't do that. That's not a rumor. That did happen, by the way. That did happen. That is confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it, it is, I think, odd sometimes when people hear the term hedge fund, which is supposed right. to hedge you against risk. And they see right. a 91.4% loss. Yeah. It's really not how these right. funds operate in crypto. They're more yeah. like just liquid um, right. VC firms I, almost. I don't operate a hedge fund. I don't intend on operating a hedge fund. Uh, I think if you are up some bajillion percentage points and it's, at some point it's your duty to hit the sell button. Is it? I wish I could take my own advice. I don't do that personally. I never hit sell. Yeah. Why well, you're sell? not You're not operating a hedge fund. You're operating a, a media business. True. <laughs> David, yeah. what's this story? This is crazy. I think this is a follow-up to our story last week, right? Yeah, so last week, uh, a judge ruled that rocket ship, upward chart, and money bags emojis are can be construed at, as financial advice. A second judge has ruled that the shruggy emoji completely nullifies all previous are emojis. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> this is great news. Yeah, so you can just say whatever you want, and then you end your tweet with a shrug. Wow. Not financial advice. Yeah, no. that's all you have to do. That's a disclaimer. So a shrug can be a financial disclaimer, yes. not financial yes. advice. At least form. this is according to the rug.mirror.xyz. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm getting the sense that Ryan did not get rugged this week. No, I saw um, it in the agenda. It almost got me, and then I did, clicked it, it this time. Yeah. All right. This is a pretty good one. So, uh, I mean... I think that's a. I think if you can, I think this is actually a pretty fair. good. This I is actually a fair think take. this is fair. This I, is a fair take. I think that if a rocket emoji means you're you're pumping your bags and you are soliciting or it's financial advice, then a right. shrug emoji should mean right. you are not you doing do. those things. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that meme out there where uh, he's like uh, the the crypto investor just tells his friend, uh, you know, totally buy this token. It's going to make us rich. Yeah. I don't know though. You always finish up with. I, IDK though, <laughs> so that you don't ruin their life. That's, that's what the shrug emoji oh, is. Oh, that's great. All right. Yeah. I don't know though. Perfect. Uh, we have a new disclaimer actually at the end of the Bankless podcast. We'll, we'll just replace it with, I don't know though, the shrug, shrug emoji. <laughs> uh, thank you, The Rug, for uh, bringing a little levity to the situation yeah. here. Uh, mm-hmm. What's this? Invest in music. Welcome to Invest in Music. Fans become collectors. That's cool. Sounds cool. Mm-hmm. What is it? Yeah, this is a brand new podcast, new podcast on the scene for people who want to consume more podcasts than what Bankless can offer you, although that's probably a surprise. If you are into the world of music NFTs, this is a podcast out of Cooper Turley. Uh, And so if you want to keep up with the world of music NFTs and the growing economy that relates to investing in and sharing Web3 music and other things of that nature, Invest in Music is the new podcast for you. So that's a good idea. Very cool. Um, All right. on the raises this week there have been a bunch but here's the one notable one ethereum mm-hmm. layer 2 scroll which is a zk evm uh, layer 2 reaches 1.8 billion in valuation in their new funding round that's uh Lovely. that's a big valuation for a bear that's market a big valuation yeah that's that's right they raised 50 million dollars so 50 million dollars in the bank at a 1.8 billion dollar valuation and disclaimer ryan and i are angel investors into scroll you said it in the bank what, what bank do you think they use hopefully it's not silvergate signature oh who knows i mean that that was the metaphorical bank we i bet you it was that. usdc yeah when we invested in scroll we said usdc when is um when is our language going to adapt to like uh rather than say in the bank or like i still catch myself i say we got money in the bank or like i'll write you a check and i'm not literally writing writing a check anymore right right, right, right. it'll take some time to kind of catch up oh i, I think we still address. use the words it just mean it starts to mean something different okay Okay. Yeah. It that land. It just landed in my account because you sent it five seconds ago. Yeah. <laughs> that feels a lot better. And and I didn't have to wait. 
Jobs this week, of course. Mm. We got mm. companies raising. That means we got companies yeah. hiring. Big yeah. one to point out this week. Bankless is hiring, of course, but yep. I want to point this one out. Immutable wants yeah. a protocol blockchain engineer. This That's is layer cool. two. Uh, very technical. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, work in gaming, gaming infrastructure, gaming platform. Go check this out. There's a whole bunch more jobs I could list, uh, but I won't right now. Uh, go check that out at thebanklist.palette.com jobs board. David, what do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we got questions from the nation, as well as the hot takes of the week, as well as the meme of the week, as well as what Ryan and David are bullish on. We'll probably chatter about some ETH Denver stuff as well for those that want to stick around after all the news and just hear about uh, what ETH Denver was like. So all of that and more coming up as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. The Phantom Wallet is coming to Ethereum. The number one wallet on Solana is bringing its millions of users and beloved UX to Ethereum and Polygon. If you haven't used Phantom before, you've been missing out. Phantom was one of the first wallets to pioneer Solana staking inside the wallet and will be offering similar staking features for Ethereum and Polygon. But that's just staking. Phantom is also the best home for your NFTs. Phantom has a complete set of features to optimize your NFT experience. Pin your favorites, hide your uglies, burn the spam, and also manage your NFT sale listings from inside the wallet. Phantom is of course a multi-chain wallet, but it makes chain management easy, displaying your transactions in a human readable format with automatic warnings for malicious transactions or phishing websites. Phantom has already saved over 20,000 users from getting scammed or hacked. So get on the Phantom waitlist and be one of the first to access the multi-chain beta. There's a link in the show notes, or you can go to phantom.app waitlist to get access in late February. Arbitrum 1 is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum 1, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum 1 and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Question from Siogi this week from the Bankless Discord. Here it is. Is there some economic or technical reason that chains cannot use a stablecoin as the native token for gas? I know Terra did, but that was a unique setup, which didn't work. Yes, it didn't. Um, why is there no chain using a fully collateralized stablecoin as gas and providing non-inflationary staking rewards based on fees for block space? Seems like a good idea. Interesting question. Yeah, I really love some of these questions that really illustrate to me where the question asker is on their journey down the crypto rabbit hole. This person is at like the very like starting to get into some like really technical like level questions like why can't we use stable coins for gas? Yeah, it's a good it's a good place. Thinking for gas. of novel ideas here. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, asking why can't we do this is a, like a great way to learn. Uh, okay. So great question. Uh, why can't we use a stable coin for gas? Terra did. Uh, and so they, they said, is there some economic or technical reason? And the answer is yes, they, uh, both. Um, going back to when we were talking about tokens versus coins, Ryan, uh, we need Ether, the coin of Ethereum, to be the gas. Uh, why do we need that? Well, because in proof of work, so this also applies to Bitcoin, you need Ether and Bitcoin to have value because they are the things that economically secure systems. Uh, the outside world calls the crypto industry like blockchain. These are blockchains. 
A blockchain is actually just one part of a grander system of technologies that combine together create what we know as like Bitcoin or Ethereum. The way that Vitalik and, and I've been using this language have called these things crypto economic systems. Uh, and so it's a semblance of cryptography, a blockchain for data, a database and economics. You must have a native currency of a crypto economic system to be self-sufficient and independent and autonomous. Because that's what secures the thing. That's what secures the thing. Miners don't mine Bitcoin unless Bitcoin has value. Uh, stakers don't stake Ether unless stakers have value. Where does that value come from? It comes from the enshrined relationship between the economics of buying block space from Bitcoin and buying box block space from Ethereum using the native currency. If you don't have that relationship between block space demand and currency of the chain, then why does that currency exist at all? That right. that it has to be intrinsic. That that value. relationship must occur. That right. has to be. And therefore, on the Ethereum layer one, we cannot use Dai, for example, to pay for gas because we must enshrine the value of Ether. So that is the economic reason. Also, in EIP one five five nine, this made this formal. So before EIP one five five nine, people were talking about like. Oh, you can just like pay miners, you know, OTC. You can like Venmo them to process your transactions. And that could have worked. And actually, actually still is true for Bitcoin, actually. Bitcoin is actually not enshrined. Miners can put uh, things into the blockchain for, you know, zero Bitcoins if you pay them in the pocket. So that's still a thing for Bitcoin. Uh, in EIP 1559, it formally enshrined Ether as the native currency of Ethereum. So you can't route around Ether. Ether must be burnt in order to make a transaction on Ethereum. So that is the technical reason that you can do this. Now, what's cool is that that is true of the Ethereum layer one. That is not true of layer twos. You can use any token that you choose on a layer two to pay for gas. Mm. However, that layer two must pay for Ether for layer one block space. But any layer two could use a stable coin or any other type of asset for that matter as gas. Coinbase, Coinbase chain, all, they would be violating securities laws, could tokenize the coin security and the coin equity, turn that into a token on base. And that could be the gas token for base. That's not what's happening. I just made that up. That but would, that by is the a way, theoretical that would make, possibility. make way more sense in my opinion, like securities laws aside, that would be yes. like a much more aligned kind of ecosystem. Right. That would be very, very bullish for the coin asset, sure. exci except for the fact of violating securities laws. That part would be bearish. Yes. Now, okay. So tell me about, by the way, that was a, I think that was a great answer. Thank you. A couple of things this triggered for me, but like, tell me about um, this new account abstraction ability mm. where through a smart contract wallet, I actually don't have to pay for my Ethereum gas fee with ETH the token. Uh, is is that mm -hmm. a thing that's happening? Is, is that part of what you meant by kind of the technical reason you can't? Uh, okay, uh, now we're now onto New Horizons. Now we're talking about wallet design and account abstraction. What account abstraction does is that say you've got a brand new wallet and you throw 25 USDC in there, there's zero ETH in there, so you don't have any ether to pay for gas, and you would like to send that 25 USDC in outbound or do something with it or deposit into pool together, but you don't got any gas. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice? It would be nice. Wouldn't to it be do nice? That. Yeah. So with account abstraction, you can have a different wallet pay your gas fee. And so you actually never have to have Ether inside of your wallet and you can still do crypto and DeFi things. Someone else on your behalf pays for your gas 
but that person is still paying for gas. Yeah. This, the economic rules of you must use ether still apply to someone somewhere, but with account abstraction, you can change who's responsible for those rules. A relayer could pay for it. The smart contract yes. wallet could kind of provide some mm -hmm. reason to pay for it, right. all of those things. You know, uh, that was a great answer. Do you know that the other thing that kind of reminded me of is when you were talking about, uh, yeah, in Bitcoin, this is still an unsolved problem that somebody could right. go in a telegram group and, right. and send someone money out of bound in order to reward them for, um, you know, processing their transaction mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. like first before right. everyone else. This is the problem of any MEV, minor right. extractable value. And, and we could call it minor extractable value in the case of Bitcoin. All this kind of throws to me is like with Bitcoin doing this ordinals thing and with uh, Blockscase demand going up, my God, they're going to have to go solve all of the same problems <laughs> that Ethereum has had to solve over the past three to four years, including challenges with their monetary policy, like and enshrining Bitcoin as the asset for, for Blockspace and also right. including like issuance. And like right. they're going to have to follow this exact same path and solve right. it, whether they know it or not. Why? Because if your block space is demanded in the same way that Ethereum's is, then you're going to face the same challenges that Ethereum did. It's yeah. it's hilarious to me, like in a good way. Like, yeah. oh, that's like that's sweet. You're growing yeah, up. Yeah, like, they're doing it. You're yeah. doing it. Um, yeah. Anyway, they'll they'll figure it out. I'm sure. Okay, so that brings us to the take of the week, which because you've said that, I'd like to skip to the last take of the week, and we can go to the other ones first. Uh, this one from <laughs> from uh, from uh, Wang Zhang Ian. Thank, sorry for butchering your name. Apologies. Uh, who tweets out Ethereum culture and technology is influencing Bitcoin culture and technology? Now, for people that have been around for last bear market, uh, Nick Carter says this. I believe Hazu also says this that ha or previously said this is that Ethereum culture is downstream of Bitcoin culture mm -hmm. in that Bitcoin, Bitcoiners, Bitcoin is at the spearhead of the crypto movement and everything else is downstream of Bitcoin, including Ethereum. That was very true. Uh, you and me, Ryan, being like, and Anthony Cezano and all the others saying like ETH is money. That was us like being downstream trying of Bitcoin. Trying to catch like, up. Trying to catch up, right? Uh, block space demand, security, all that kind of stuff. I learned For, about settlement assurances as well as you did from Nick Carter. Exactly, right? And so, so much of what is Ethereum today, we learned from Bitcoiners. Bitcoiners have stalled out, man. And now I think the tables have turned. And so ordinals, all of what you just said, just like Bitcoiners have to learn about like enshrining the value of BTC, all that kind of stuff. <sighs> Now they have to do all the hard work that Ethereum has done yeah. over the last five years. And they haven't done any of it because the fundamentalists have been in the lead. Yeah. They've had, they've had control. Uh, and so like now, like now we're finally bullish on Bitcoin builders, but it's also now bearish because they now realize how far behind they are in this conversation. It's going to require some protocol upgrades. And do they have yeah. the social layer, the layer zero that can, can adapt and sustain I don't, I don't that? I think they do. Right. It's going to be an uphill battle and a challenge, but it's, it's definitely yeah. cool to see. We got some other takes of the week. This is one from Mike Dudas. Mike Dudas is retweeting two of Paul Krugman's very old tweets. One goes back to January of 2018, where Paul Krugman says, cryptocurrency lets you make electronic transactions, but so do bank accounts, debit cards, PayPal, Venmo, all these other methods involving trusting a third party. But unless you're buying drugs, assassinations, that's not really a big deal. Uh, and so kind of disqualifying crypto. All as crypto a users pop. are criminals, right. aren't they? So fast forward to his tweet just now. So five years later, um, I've been using Venmo for years, says Paul Krubin, but now it won't allow me to make payments. I spent a long time in chat with representatives. They told me they can't explain why or fix it. The software has taken control. <laughs> Mighty oh, no. how the turntables in five years. Hmm. 
Oh, Paul, you know, it, sometimes you don't realize it until you happen it until it happens to you. I mean, like Paul Krugman is uh, an economist, of course. Uh, he said some pretty anti-crypto things in the past, not seeing its utility, but until it happens to you in the country where you live or in the situation Mm -hmm. that you have in front of you, you, you actually don't appreciate the value. It just always brings me back to my like two mental models of people in the world. There's people that see crypto for what it can be in the future and then therefore believe in it today. And then there's people who see it for what it is today and see just like a fucking mess. Yep. Those are the two camps. I I totally agree. Uh, Mark Andreessen, Mm -hmm. this is somewhat related. He said Mm -hmm. this, I can't convince you to want freedom, but if you do want freedom, it can't come to you in the form of a centralized system, whether that's communism, backdoored cryptography, or centrally controlled AI. That was a good take. You want freedom, it it can't come built on top of centralized systems. Love it. Very true. I just say it cuts so deep for like what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Like uh, crypto's here to set you free. Absolutely. David, what are you bullish That's, about? Oh God. I am bullish on the bankless nation, man. Are you? Uh, so uh, uh, people who listen to bankless <laughs> will know guy. that I'm very, very <laughs> bullish on ETH, uh, ETH Denver as an event uh, because it was the place that I decided that I'm going to just yeet myself out of my previous life and do whatever this crypto thing means. So I was like alone going off to East Denver with zero friends. I just like awkwardly first day of school. Asked, this asked is this first day of school vibes. Oh my God, it is a first day of school picture. <laughs> so like, I, I, had, uh, I didn't know anyone at East Denver. So I just gave this person my phone. I'm like, hey, can you take a photo of me in front of this sign? <laughs> and here's that photo. Uh, fast forward five years later, we're at the first ever bankless meetup. And there's 150 people here. And we had to keep it a secret because we knew that it was just going to be overwhelmed. So shout out to everyone that, that came for the Bankless Meetup and had the free beer at, at the brewery. It was a fantastic time. I enjoyed meeting absolutely everyone. Uh, Ryan, I got up on stage, grabbed a microphone, zero plans whatsoever, and just started talking for a little bit and ended up just like thanking all of the HQ team for all of the support. It's, it's cool. It's great to have company. Uh, it's dangerous to go alone. Uh, and the fact that 150 people want to show up for the same movement that I saw five years it's ago awesome. is just incredibly humbling. Yeah, it, it is. It's super humbling. Uh, this is the, the other, how it started, how it started, how it's going. Yeah. Only yeah, exactly. in like a positive way. It's, it's going pretty well. That's <laughs> awesome. Say. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm bullish on. What are you bullish on, Ryan? Look, I'm going to say it again. Bankless.com bankless 2.0. Mm. I, I just want to take a moment cause we talked about it already so much, um, about, uh, like why we're, do- why we're doing this, I think. And, um, the big reason is because it was time to get more freedom, uh, David, and kind of time to set sail. Yeah, at the at a high level, I mean, Substack is it's kind of um it's its own platform, a bit more that that's the platform we were using for our newsletter and and for Bankless, uh, you know, premium membership and that sort of thing. Um, it was constraining; we couldn't build crypto features on top of it. So um, we set sail. We created our own path. We created some more uh, white space. It's been a tremendous effort. Um, this is just the beginning though. That's what excites me the most because now we can start building on top of this platform. And I just want to take a minute to thank the entire Bankless team that uh, has made this possible. In particular, I want to thank Jason and James who are our key web uh, devs and, and front-end experts that actually brought this to uh, to fruition. And of course, mm-hmm. our entire newsletter team, alpha team, uh, and the pod squad for populating all the content. This is a fantastic job. And I want to thank you Bankless listener, uh, we appreciate you guys mm-hmm. like a lot. Like the picture that David was just showing earlier, um, like to have 
I think you, I, I was asking David, like, oh, so how is how is the Bankless Nation? When you meet people from ba- the Bankless community, how are they in, in in person? Are they are they cool? Like, do they have good vibes? It was like, it's like, do they like us? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like these are all united people, like with a shared set of values, and it's so cool. They're instant friends, right? Right. And yeah. we would not be able to kind of launch this and carry this movement forward. We really consider ourselves in this whole headless brand of the Bankless movement just torchbearers. We're just trying to set the path. Just trying Um, to show the way. Yeah. Bankless is for everyone. And now we have more resources to do it. And we have those resources because you tune in every week uh, to this show Mm -hmm. and support us because uh, some subset of you have become bankless citizens and are taking that journey Mm -hmm. with you, uh, with us. And we just appreciate you all. It's just uh, Mm -hmm. fantastic. So uh, thank you. Thank you to everyone who made this possible. This is just the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. We've been wanting a website for a while, but we've wanted to also do it right. And this is finally a website that we just feel so damn good about. And uh, like Ryan said, it is just the beginning and meaning that now we have our own vehicle, our own ship, our own structure to do cool things on top of. David, did you send me a cool thing? I just sent you a cool thing. Ah, and so I got the open. first thing that you can, you can already do something, Bankless Nation, on the Bankless this is website. Awesome. Which is if you are a uh, if you already are subscribed to Bankless, if you already have given us your email address to receive the newsletter or the podcast or whatever, you can go mint a PO app. And Ryan's about to show the PO app on the screen because it's ship season, because we are sailing west. So this is the inaugural PO app for christening, if you will, the Bankless website. Uh, it's a ship because we're sailing west. Uh, it's a ship because it's ship season, uh, and it's just really just a badass. This is the first time ship. I've seen this, man. I love yeah. this. Yeah, uh, this, is, this is shout great. out to Logan who produced yeah. this for us um, on his birthday, by the way. Sorry the for making that request, Logan. Thank you. And look, uh, we got the black flags at the top. Oh, you see so that? Good. It's so good. Yeah. So if you want to mint the PO app. Uh, you go to bankless.com, sign in with the email address that you've already created an account. If you have not yet already created an account, I'm sorry, you can't mint the PO app uh, because of anti-Sybil and spam mechanisms. We have to gate it to people who have already given us our email addresses. Otherwise, people will attack the system. Um, go with the PO app and celebrate us sailing westward. We're going west. This is awesome. All right, David, let's end here. Meme of the week. What are we looking at this week? <laughs> so this was uh, the toilet paper, Eddie Thember. It was a roll of toilet paper. Which <laughs> was, was this everywhere? Are you serious? It was quite a lot of places. Yeah. Wow. Uh, this is Sam Bankman Freed on toilet paper. So if you ever took a number two, you wiped your butt with Sam Bankman Freed's face. <laughs> Did you get the opportunity, David? Or is that a personal question? I'll that leave that up for the, uh, the Bankless Nation to wonder about. <laughs> for the imagination? For oh the my imagination. God. <laughs> Please picture that. <laughs> That's been the end. That's it, guys. we got a cool moment of Zen for you. Again, celebrating the new Bankless mm-hmm. 2.0 website. If you're uh, listening, it won't really make sense. So watch the YouTube. Okay. <laughs> yeah, watch the YouTube. Risks and disclaimers, guys. Crypto is risky. You could definitely lose what you put in. But we're headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. This has not been financial advice. Shrug emoji. Shrug emoji.
the first time in my wildest dreams. I never could have imagined something so gorgeous 